Live from the JLE in London, join us for 20 minutes weekly with Rabbi Dr. Akiva Tetz, hosted by myself, Mena Reisner, as we delve into the hottest topics of the 21st century. From the origins of the universe, vaccine conspiracies, genetics and Jewish law, relationships and everything in between, you are listening to Conversations with Rabbi Tatz. Rabbi Tatz, it's truly an honor to be able to sit with you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. What do you think of this beautiful podcast studio that we built? Very professional. I look forward to uh, saying a few significant things here. I look forward to hearing them. I know that our listeners are very excited for this podcast and to be able to hear your wisdom and insight on the go. We're going to be discussing huge topics, which 20 minutes doesn't really do justice to. However, this is a perfect amount of time to be able to slot into everyday life, whether it's on the way back to work or just winding down at the end of a long day. Now, a quick intro, if I may. Forgive me, I know it's uh, a bit awkward to listen to your life's achievements, but I'm going to make it as quick as I can. On the contrary, it's a great pleasure. (laughs) So Rabbi Dr. Akiva Tatz was born and raised in Johannesburg, South Africa, and is a world-renowned lecturer and educator, mostly famous for his expertise in medical ethics, having written a plethora of books covering topics including philosophy, medicine through the lens of halacha, and free will. His works have been translated into Spanish, Russian, French, Portuguese, Italian, and of course Hebrew. Have I, have I missed any languages? Um, done German as well recently. Oh, wow. Okay, so amongst his many achievements, Rabbi Tatz has also founded the Jerusalem Medical Ethics Forum with the purpose of teaching and promoting knowledge of Jewish medical ethics internationally. He's a much sought-after speaker and advisor to many and has traveled the world over, educating and inspiring the masses for many decades. Rabbi Tatz, it's a pleasure. So let's dive right in. I thought it would be appropriate seeing that we're beginning this podcast during the Omer. What better topic to start off with than counting the Omer, which will eventually, of course, lead us to Shavuos. This is the first of three episodes, and today we'll be discussing the actual counting of the Omer. So, Rabbi Tetz, why on earth are we counting the days until Shavuos? What does counting days achieve? Again, thank you very much for this opportunity to discuss such an important and central topic. Um, over the next 20 minutes, I'd like to bring out the, the idea that counting the Omer is much more central than one might imagine. The counting the days, the general approach to this concept is that we are developing from the undeveloped, immature situation of Pesach to the fully mature spiritual greatness of uh, Shavuot, Shavuos. The idea being that leaving Egypt is really a position of conception and birth. In fact, the Kabbalistic notion is that Egypt was the conception. Seven days later was a birth when the sea split. The Kabbalists point out that's parallel to a woman's waters breaking in birth as the Jewish people go through the sea. And then 49 days, the rest of 49 days of maturing and developing in the desert to a point of marriage. Shuas is called Yom Chasunasi, the day of his marriage, so to speak, where we meet God in a marital relationship, as it says in Shirah Shirim, that he should kiss us with the kisses of his mouth, talking about an intimate meeting. And so the general concept here is a development from the undeveloped, immature situation. In fact, the offering that's brought on the second day of Pesach is the Omer, which is barley, barley's animal food. 
And from the animal undeveloped stage, we move to the human level of Shavuot, which is the 13 times sifted fine flour offering that's brought on Shavuot. So the brief answer to your question is this is a prototypal human development from the conception, birth, infancy, all the way through adulthood at a national level. Mm-hmm. But why do we start counting on the second day of Pesach? Why surely we should be starting to count on the first day of Pesach? Right, that's an excellent question. True, we start from the, the second day. We start The first day of Pesach is not counted at all. We start from the second. That's a great mystery. And I would add to that question why we don't count the last either. The last day, which is Shavuot, we don't count at all, even though the Torah very explicitly says, Tisperu Chamishim Yom, count 50 days. We count 49 and stop there. Very, very, very strange. Very strange. The general answer to that question, the form of the answer is, and I, in fact, I wrote a book about this called Living Inspired, which goes into this in much more detail. But the general answer to that question is that the first day is too high to be counted. Too high. The first day is done by God himself. It's a day of mind-bending miracles. In fact, you can hear it in the word. Pesach means to leap over. The concept is leaping up to the 50th level with no intervening steps, which is humanly impossible. And therefore, we don't count the first day because it's not our work. We're not, we're not building anything. We are simply watching the show, experiencing it, being transported into that level. Then we're brought down to earth, so to speak, and we start the work. So the reason we don't count the first day is because it's not a day that can be counted. It's a totality. It's an explosion of spirituality, which is demonstrated to us beyond human ability to 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 count in any way. It's only after we've been inspired by that that we begin to count ourselves. Why don't we count the last day? The last day is transcendent as well. The last day is Torah. It's a meeting with God. Here's the mystical concept. We count it by not counting it, by not giving it a number. Counting the 50th day would make it simply one more step on the journey. But this is not one more step. This is destination. Mm-hmm. But countdowns are generally quite literally a countdown you know you count down the days until a special event you count down the days to your wedding how many days are left why do we count the days from Pesach and not how many are left until Shavuos like a regular countdown should be right great question and of course you're perfectly correct this is a countdown and it should go 10 9 8 7 6 blast off right that is how you count down as you correctly as you correctly say anyone remembering the last few few weeks at school we're counting the days left. No one is counting the days that have gone by. That's too awful to think about how many days you'd spent in that prison. And therefore, indeed, we should be counting down. And there's no question at all that the focus is on destination, as I said. And any journey is always a looking forward to destination. Any journey is always named for point of destination. No one j- names a journey for point of departure. Even more strange, not only are we counting up the days that have gone by, we actually name the count for the point, point of departure, counting the Omer. Almost the offering that's brought on the second day of Pesach. So it looks, no matter how you cut this, it seems to be, we're looking back to the point of origin, we're piling up days, so to speak, on top of the origin, and we count the days that have gone by. It's very peculiar. But here's the secret, and this will really tie together all the things that you've, that you've asked. The secret of the counting of the Omer is that this is a, a movement from the finite to the infinite. You're moving from individual days to something that transcends days. Again, the first day transcendent totally, that fires us up. But then we begin the journey. Let me suggest an analogy. When you play music, you can play only notes. You can't play music. You play each individual note. Each note is utterly insignificant in itself, but that's all you can do. You play the one note, you play the next note, and what happens is music. 
in modern physics, they call this an emergent phenomenon, something that the phrase we like to use in English is it's greater than the sum of the parts. The amazing paradox of the world is that you can transcend it only through it. If you want to meet God, you can't leap out of this world and meet him. You've got to count the steps. When you play those notes loyally, each note in the musical score is played accurately, amazingly, and very significantly on something that affects you very deeply, something results called music. And when you analyze it, it's a plink and a plonk and a plonk and a plink. By the way, I, I, I mentioned this recently, and a friend of mine who's a doctor in, in Bnei Brak who has a daughter who's a violinist, he sent me a most marvelous recording, and people can look it up. Believe it or not, there's actually a musical piece called Plink, Plunk, Plunk. <laughs> it's a, that's a beautiful piece, and it starts as an orchestra. The, uh, the conductor's a, a lady. She walks over to the cellist and takes away his, his, uh, his bow. Then she walks to all the string players and takes away their bows and piles them up. They all look at her with consternation. And she begins to conduct a piece which doesn't require the bow at all. It's pizzicato. It's only plucked. Right? So the whole audience is only plucking and all you hear is plinks and plonks. And of course it comes together as an exquisite piece. Worth looking up. And believe it or not, as I said, it is actually called plink, plank, plonk. <laughs> but all music is comprised of notes and there's no accident that the seven times seven days and weeks that we count from Pesach to Shavuot, are just like the seven notes that we use in the conventional scale that we use in Western music most often. And the amazing thing about that is you can't count Torah. You can't do that. You can't, you can't build it yourself. You, you're talking about something that is infinite and transcendent. Amazingly and paradoxically, the way you get there is by counting the notes that can be counted. We count the days. And that's what we achieve. Your first question was, what do we achieve by counting? As you pile up one day after another, or as you put the one foot in front of another on a journey, all you're doing is taking one step after another after another, and the steps are inconsequential. But when you put them together, the destination arrives. We count the Omer because we can't count Shavuot. We can't count that last day. The last day is Torah. It's a meeting with God. So what we do is we put one down, then we put another down, one brick and another brick and another brick, and eventually the building is constructed. The, the amazing idea here is that paradoxically and surprisingly, you work on the, ins the seemingly insignificant, and it amounts to something more than significant. I would like to suggest that this is the message for life altogether. Every meaningful experience in life is like that. What is a beautiful poem? It's a series of words, each of which is completely, completely meaningless on its own. And yet when those words are cunningly and craftily put together, something emerges which can affect you forever. A great painting. Each dab of paint on the canvas is insignificant. One has to only look at the Pontalist painters, you know, the great Impressionists, Seurat and the other French Impressionists, you look up close, they series of dots, tiny dots on the canvas, completely meaningless. You step back and something beautiful emerges. And therefore, I think the only way to achieve those larger-than-life experiences and larger-than-life significances are through the seemingly insignificant details. What should a great love be between two people? What should a marriage be? Amazingly, it's a series of events. That's one kind deed, another kind word, a favor, an act of consideration. But over many years, they amount to something which is indescribably great. If it's not, there's something wrong. One's only inner life should develop that. One should be amounting to ever more. A life is not just a string of events like a shopping list. That's a tremendous failure. A Torah life, a person developing philosophically and spiritually, each idea that, that's put into the mind should amplify all the previous ones into something that's larger than the sum of the parts. Otherwise, you're missing the point. Big time. And therefore, in summary, we don't count the first day because it's not done by us. Pesach means to leap over. 
I would call it fly now, pay later. The first day is the day of, of unbelievable flight. And then we start on the second day, we get our teeth stuck into the work and we start playing the notes or saying the words of the prayers or uh, building any experience in life which is built by finite and particular details. And we count forwards because you can't, of course we're longing for and looking towards the destination, but we're not, we're not building destination. We're building journey. We're playing the notes. We're putting the bricks together. We're putting the words of the poem together. And what happens is, when you do those things accurately and loyally and consistently, something emerges that is greater than the sum of the parts. And that is the only way to achieve a transcendent love or friendship or mind. That's the way it goes. And therefore, that is why we count, so to speak, looking back to the point of origin, because that's what we're building on. And what we hope to do is reach a day that cannot be counted. And we count the 50th day by not counting it. We reach beyond numbers on that day. We simply stand up and declare that it's Shavuot today. Wow. So you mentioned music before, Rabbi Tatz. Um, we know that when Moshiach comes, the eighth note, the mysterious eighth note will be revealed. Does this have any connection at all to what you were saying before about the seven notes of music? Indeed, beautiful question. Uh, we have a general principle that seven describe the natural world, right? seven days of the week. For example, seven facets of a cube, six sides of the cube and the unifying center. That's what Shabbat is. Seven is always the totality of the experienced world. Eight is always transcendent, indeed. Eight is the, the number of miracle. Hanukkah's eight days celebrates a miracle. Circumcision is on the eighth day because it takes the body to a transcendent spiritual, spiritual position. It's the importance of circumcision of Bryce Miller. And therefore, indeed, when the Mashiach comes, an eighth note will be heard. Uh, finally, at the, at the end of the Messianic era, as we reach a final transcendence, ten notes will be heard. Benevel Asar is the language of the verse, which means a ten-stringed harp. So what now is transcendent, right, the dimension we cannot see into, when our consciousness is opened, we'll move into dimensions that are, that are perceived that are higher. But of course, each of those leads to a further dimension of perception, indeed. So eight will be the beginning of entry into a world that we cannot begin to perceive at the moment, but it will lead to the ninth and the tenth, and that will be a never-ending, infinitely progressing growth program in a world beyond this. Okay, that's a lot of food for thought for our first podcast. Thank you very much, Rabbi Tetz, for joining us for this fascinating discussion. Any comments, um, feedback, suggestions for future topics can be emailed to podcasts at jle.org.uk. Make sure to join us again for episode two, same time, same place next week. Thank you, Rabbi Tetz. Thank you.